morning. So we're in the middle of a series. Wait, is this the last one? Is this it? We're ending a series today of uh, divine encounters. We're looking at stories of the, in the Bible where God encountered his people and what we can learn uh, from that today uh, for in our lives today. There's one thing that I, I just really, I mean, hate tends to be a strong word, but I, I think I would use it in this case. There's just one thing I really hate, and that's waiting to get a table at a restaurant. I just, I just can't handle it. If we go somewhere and they're like, they're like, first question I ask, how long is the wait? And if they say something like, ten or fifteen minutes, I'm just like, ah, I don't know, honey, really? How are we? Ten, fifteen minutes? Just, just, I don't know. It's not quite that bad, but I can't, I can't take it. It just, it feels like such a waste of time to me to sit there for forty-five minutes to wait to get food at a table. It's like, come on, Arby's. I'm thinking Arby's when that happens. If anyone from Arby's happens to be listening, you can contact me here at the church. I do take um, endorsements or whatever. I, mean, I, I could have said anything right there. I don't know if that'll ever work, but if it does, hey, more money for the church, I guess. Uh, do, you, do you ever wait? Does anyone ever get frustrated waiting, having to wait for something? Maybe not at a restaurant, but just waiting in general. It's just, come on, come on, get, get to me. Yeah, it's like a waste of time. Just, you knew I was coming, especially when I have to wait for an appointment. You know it's there. Anyone ever feel that way when you have to wait for God? Has anyone ever had to wait for God before? Come on, God. Come on, God. You, you promised something. When are you, you going to do it? And when are you going to do it the way I said? The, the latter isn't a good, a good, a good prayer. It's like, it's like we want a God encounter sometimes. We want God to speak. Show me, God. Lead me, God. Fix this, God. Fix them, God. And if it doesn't happen as quick as we wished or in the way we, we prayed, it can lead to this lie. It's a very, the devil's a very tricky liar. It can lead to this lie that since God is all-powerful, See, that's, that's where the, the really good lies start. The really good lies start with a thread of truth. Is God all-powerful? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is, that is really true. So, if God is, since God is so powerful, I guess God's just going to do what God's going to do. Absent from anything I do. God's just going to do what God's going to do. Has anyone ever thought that or heard that? You've heard, you know, you haven't thought that, but you've heard somebody else think that. Yeah, God's just going to do what he's going to do. Why should I bother praying? Why, why should I bother with anything? Because he's just, he's sovereign. The devil's a tricky liar. He takes that shred of truth and uses that as the foundation for his lie. That God's just, just going to do what he's going to do. You have no part to play in it. That's, that, that's baloney. That's baloney. And we're going to see that in this story today. If you got your Bible, would you turn to Mark chapter 10? Turn or tap to Mark chapter 10, or if you're on the sermon notes, it's right there for you already. But we're going to look at the story of blind Bartimaeus. If you're there, say, mm-hmm. If you need me to hang on, say, wait. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse, uh, I can't see, 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples 
together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Here's number one, the first thing we can learn from this story. Number one, divine encounters are for you. Yeah, even you. You see, Bartimaeus was low. We saw in verse, verse 46, then he came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Bartimaeus was, was low. He wasn't well respected. And there's three, three of the four Gospels have this story in it, and this is the only one that mentions his name. And when it mentions his name, they're not really given his name, they're just referring to him. Son of. Son of Timaeus. Some believe it means son of a blind man. So, you know, the blind guy, son of a blind guy. Because like, his name means son of Timaeus. He's so low, he, he's not even worthy of having his own name. If you feel low down... Divine encounters are for you. And you know, I wanted to put the yeah, even you on there because if you're not low down and you think you have everything together, well, in the kingdom of God, the first shall be, hmm? Yeah, so if you think you got it all together, guess what? You're down low. Divine encounters, they're for you. Yeah, even you. Jesus wants to, to set free anyone and everyone, and he'll start with you right where you are. The vast majority of people in our church are people who either have a life totally in shambles right now, or people who had a life totally in shambles. That's the vast majority. Jesus loves the mess. And he, he loves you in your mess. He loves the mess you may be. And he'll start with you right where you are. If you're sitting next to your Valentine today, would you turn to him and say, thanks for loving a mess like me. Just, just let him know. Just remind him. Thanks for loving a mess like me. This church, I think the church, but our, but our prayer is that this church in particular would be a hospital for the hurting. Not a country club for the perfect. It's a big difference. We want the least in this church, the poor, the adulterers, the thieves, the liars, the confused, the disillusioned, the hurting, the proud, the arrogant, those that think they have no problems. We want you here because Jesus wants you here. Because Jesus wants you, and so we want you. 
divine encounters are for you. Yeah, even you. Let's go on. Number two, God can show you more than you thought he could. This is something we can learn about a divine encounter. God can show you more than you thought he could. I get this from from verse 47. When he heard, when, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, everybody wanted to see Jesus. That was not possible for Bartimaeus. He wasn't going to see Jesus because he couldn't. He was blind. God found a way. When he heard, when he heard that it was Jesus, he found a way. Whatever limitation you may have, God can find a way. God can work around it. Bartimaeus had had to deal with his blindness by no fault of his own. Do you ever deal with things that are not your fault? We all have some things we have to deal with that aren't our fault. Maybe it's things you were born with. I'm too short. You've got to live with that if you're too short. I'm not good at sports. I'm not good at big picture thinking. I'm not good at the details. I'm not good at working with my hands. I'm not good at numbers. I'm not good at conflict. Some of these things are just, we're born with a disposition to be good at certain things. There's certain intelligences that some are better at that than, than others. Yeah, maybe you're crying, I'm not, I'm not good at conflict, I just can't handle conflict. Or the, verse, the reverse of that could also be true. I'm too good at conflict, a.k.a. jerk, maybe. <laughs> you're too good at conflict. There's something to be said for being too good at conflict. There's some things that, that we're just born with, and other, other things that, that, we, that aren't our fault, or things that happen to us, that we have to carry around. Perhaps you were abused. Perhaps there was a death of a very close loved one that you thought was unjust. And it can mess with you. Or there's a tragedy or, or not being loved or wanted. If we aren't careful, we will allow these things that weren't our fault to be propped up as a burden to us. Bartimaeus could have done that. He could have been sitting there. He could have been... Uh, cameras are on. A, they're going to wake up today. Bartimaeus could have been sitting there crying out. Gee, gee. Nah can't see him. He could have let his blindness, I, I, I don't know it's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's him. Maybe, maybe they're just pulling my leg. I get picked on a lot. He could have let his blindness prevent him from seeing, but, but he didn't. When he heard that it was Jesus, he cried out. And it, and it probably got pretty annoying because they were trying to shut him up and he cried out all the more. It wasn't, Jesus, son of David! It was, hey, Jesus, son of David, son of David, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. It got relentless because Jesus showed him more. You see, God showed him more than what he thought he could. If you're not careful, those things that happen to you can be propped up as a block between you and your relationship with God. Maybe it is a burden to you. Or maybe God can use that thing to help you see what nobody else could see. See, Bartimaeus, when he said, son of David, when he called Jesus son of David, he was seeing something no one else did. Son of David was a messianic title. Bartimaeus was Jewish enough to know that that was the Messiah. 
And right here in Mark chapter 10 is the first time, perhaps the only time publicly when Jesus was acknowledged publicly as the Messiah. First time right here by a man that can't even see him. But Jesus showed him something he didn't think he could show him. Jesus showed him more than he thought was possible. And he said, son of David, Messiah. It was a messianic cry. You're the Messiah. You're the one we're waiting for. Don't let that thing that happened to you, don't let that thing of of the way you were born be be propped up to be a burden to you. Maybe it's a burden to you, or maybe God wants to show you something you didn't think he could. I'm not good at athletics. I'm not, but God had something else for me to pour my energies into. You're not good at conflict? Yeah, but you can be a peacekeeper. You were abused? You can protect others now. You know what protecting others looks like. You weren't loved or accepted, but now you realize you have that from Jesus. And so you know what that looks like in somebody else. And you can make sure nobody else ever feels that way again, as far as it's concerned to you. You may be too short. Well, praise the Lord. You can help with kids because you're already down there. (laughs) It's not going to hurt your knees. Uh, Okay, it's just a joke. My wife's short, and she's going to give it to me when I get home, I guess. Yes, I reached the tall things for her, she says. Here Bartimaeus cried out, son of David, which was a messianic title, and he jumped the hurdles that he had. Although he couldn't see Jesus, he saw what others couldn't, that Jesus was the Messiah. Here's number three. Encountering God requires your pursuit. If you want an encounter with God, it requires your pursuit. Verse 48. Many rebuked him. Remember, he was getting kind of annoying. Son of David, son of David, son of David, Jesus, son of David. So many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. I love the truth that pops out in this passage. See, Jesus made Bartimaeus. That was the first move, right? In, in, the, in the relationship between God and Bartimaeus, God went first. He made him. In fact, he went second, too. He came to earth to be near him. He could have made the third move, too. Jesus could have made the third move and gone, gone over Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus could have gone over. Hey, Bart. How you doing? Tough day? Could have gone over and had a little chat. But he did not do that. He didn't go to where Bartimaeus was. I mean, he already did. He came to earth, right? He was God. But he stopped. And he said, call him. And these, I love this. Why did Jesus say call him? Why didn't he go over? I think there's two reasons that Jesus didn't go over to Bartimaeus. The first, I think he wanted to teach his disciples something. Because those disciples were saying, shut up, man, shut up. 
And then Jesus says, hey, get him. I want to talk to him. So those very guys had to eat crow and go over and be like, hey, um, you know how I told you to shut up? Um, Forget it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Actually, he's stopping everything to talk with just you. So let's go. And they had to help him back over. Man, how embarrassing would that be to be that guy? I wouldn't want to be that guy. So I think Jesus wanted to teach his disciples who mattered to him. Divine encounters are for you. Yeah, even you. Those low down matter to Jesus. That's the kind of people he wants to go after. But but the other reason I think Jesus didn't go go get Bartimaeus was that he already made the move. He made a couple moves. He, He made Bartimaeus, and he came to earth to be near him. Call him. Bartimaeus, you guys call him. And Bartimaeus had to make a move. I think we're, we're learning something about a God encounter. It requires our pursuit. God made the first move in your life. He made you. In fact, he came to earth to die for you. But your relationship with God is partly dependent on you. He made the move. Humanity, message to all humanity, next move, ball's in your court. He did his part. He died on the cross for you. He doesn't have to do five miracles for you to have to follow him. He already did the one that matters. He saved you. The ball's in your court. Encountering God requires your pursuit. And not just a pursuit, but a passionate pursuit. This verse in, in, in verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, in our modern eyes, we, we look at that and, okay, whatever, he threw his cloak aside. That's a big deal. Your cloak, that's a real big deal. You better prove that, Pastor Adam. Okay, Exodus chapter 22. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only thing covering your, the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? Bartimaeus had to have been poor. I mean, he was a beggar. This certainly was his most valuable possession his cloak, the most valuable thing he had. What's the most valuable thing you have? Think of that in your head. The most valuable thing you have. Maybe it's your, your 401k, your house, your car. What's the most valuable thing you have? Bartimaeus took it, throwing it aside because that was going to get in the way. He just had to get to Jesus. He couldn't believe the son of David actually is going to talk to him. Throwing it aside, he pursued Jesus. This detail had to have been remembered by someone for it to be listed. And we saw at the very end that Bartimaeus followed along with the disciples. He he went on, on to Jerusalem with them from then on. He was probably kind of cold that night and had to borrow somebody's. I think, and whoever borrowed it probably mentioned it. That's how we have record of it. He threw this most important thing aside. Are you willing to throw the most important thing aside to run after Jesus, the most important thing in your life? Are Are you willing to give it up? I'm not asking anyone to cancel their 401k. But I think God wants our heart to be there. God wants our heart to be there. See, following Jesus is a partnership. God initiates the partnership by creating us, by by making a way for us to be saved through his son. 
And then we, God goes first, and we choose to partner with God by saying yes and pursuing him continually with all of our life over the whole of a lifetime without anyone or anything slowing us down. That's our job, to pursue Jesus. But we got to watch that we don't get slowed down. Can I give you three things that will slow you down? I want to give you just a real short list. Three things that will slow you down. If you want to pursue Jesus... Anybody want to pursue Jesus? I I hope everybody. If you want to pursue Jesus, these three things, I think, are are some of the most common reasons that we get slowed down or held back. Here's number one. Negative influence from other people. Negative influences from other people. This shouldn't need too much uh, explanation. I think we've all seen that before. Um, Especially uh, the the, the age-old tale is, when you're a teenager, you hung out with the wrong friends. And, you know, you, you, you started drinking, you started smoking because somebody else influenced you. You've got to watch who you're with. Uh, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15:33: Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If you listen to the lies of others or look for their acceptance more than God's, you're going to be upside down. Can I hear a whoop whoop if you are a IU fan? I just want to hear it. Okay, just a couple. How about Purdue? Let's hear it. Yes, more Purdue fans. I grew up, I was a Purdue fan. Loved Purdue. I was all about Purdue. You know why? Because my brother was all about Purdue. My big brother was, I wanted to be cool like him because he was uh, like, like he's, he's my cool big brother. So he likes Purdue. It must be cool. I didn't even know what it was. It's just, just a black sweatshirt I had with yellow letters on it. Purdue. Like, yeah, I want to like Purdue. Yeah, I'm for Purdue. And I would wear proudly a Purdue sweatshirt. Later, I mean, I eventually figured out it was a college and that they were better than IU. <laughs> I eventually figured those pieces out. And when I got a little bit older, I asked Nathan, I said, what, what was it? Nathan, what was it that made you want, like, like why did you pick Purdue instead of IU? Like, like, why was it? Because, you know, in Indiana, it's one or the other. It's, it's, there's no third option. I was like, now, now, what was it that made you want to like Purdue instead of IU? Why did you pick them? And he said, honestly, when I, was, when I was in elementary school, a bunch of kids looked at me and said, are, are you an IU fan or a Purdue fan? And I just thought Purdue sounded like a fun word, so I said Purdue. <laughs> he was, see, see, get this, get this. He was influenced. The only reason he was a Purdue fan initially was because some other people influenced him to be a Purdue fan. And the only reason I was a Purdue fan was because someone else influenced me. It wasn't based on a lick of fact. Although we don't, the fact is Purdue's better, okay? It's just a fact. For, I'm kidding. It wasn't based on anything. It was just peer pressure. It was just people. If that can happen, and if I can be a diehard Purdue fan based on nothing, I'm not that hard. My wife is laughing because I don't, know, I don't follow sports at all. The only team I follow is my fantasy football team. That's it. But back in the day, I was Purdue everything. If I could be a Purdue fan based on nothing but influence of others, could that not happen to my character? You ever noticed if you hang out with people that talk just a little differently than you, 
you wind up saying things the way they say them, like phrases, even words. My wife went to college in Oklahoma, and when she came back, to this day, she still says that she's got to get her oil changed. Her oil. Her oil. Got to get an oil change. Oil, honey. Oil. Oil. All right, second thing that will slow you down, first one was negative influence from others, here's the second, agreeing with the lies of the enemy. These are the most common things that I think slow us down. Agreeing with the lies of the enemy. You know what the lies of the enemy sounds like. You're not good enough. Now, does that come from the enemy? You know it's a lie from the enemy if he's talking, right? Like, if he talks, it's a lie. And so if there's a lie, it's him. He's the father of all lies. You're not good enough. You, you don't deserve Jesus. You, you, you've had a hard time. Just, it's okay to sin. It's okay, just a little. Just a little. Don't sin a lot. Just no one knows, so it's okay. These are lies. And when we agree with it, slows us down. It really slows us down. These lives of the enemy masquerade as our own voice. They masquerade as our own thoughts. Sometimes it's your own self-talk. It's not just self-talk, it's lie of the enemy. Call it what it is. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking thought, I'm sorry, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't agree with the enemy's lies. He's a liar. Don't agree with your own thoughts. If they're a lie, don't agree with them. Call it what it is. It's a lie. Reject the lie. Take it captive and like you have those thoughts. It's okay. I have had a hard week, haven't I? And no one knows if I'm going to sin, so... I guess it's okay, you know, no one knows I can go ahead and do it, right? That's a lie. I'm going to take that captive. No, that thought is a prisoner, and I'm going to make my thoughts come under alignment with Jesus Christ. Third thing that slows us down, ignoring conviction. A divine encounter requires our pursuit of God. And if you ignore conviction, that will slow you down. And this one is particularly insidious. Um, Because pain is a gift of God for us. You ever gotten a big splinter in your hand before? You grab a two-by-four and you go, ah, you're going to... Some of you are grimacing already. You got a big splinter in there. That, that hurts. That's painful. Praise God for that pain. Because if you don't feel it, that, that would be, could be a condition called neuropathy. Your nerves don't feel anything. If you don't feel it, you're going to go and you're going to get a few more. And you're just going to wind up with a handful of splinters. And if you don't take care of just this simple speck of wood, it's going to get infected. If you don't get it out and treat it, that infection's going to spread, and you're going to have to have limbs amputated just because of a dumb little splinter. And that's possible when you can't feel. So when you hurt, 
Thank you, God, for the pain. Because the pain tells me, oh, I have a splinter in my hand. I need to address this. Conviction is that. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not condemnation. The enemy sends condemnation, and its end result, its primary purpose is guilt. But the, the Holy Spirit sends conviction, and its primary purpose is to bring holiness and wholeness to our lives. Conviction is not painful. It's ultimately the most pleasurable thing possible because it removes the pain. It removes the ouchie. Lord, thank you for your conviction. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, nor sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Whoa, whoa. So those are pretty powerful words there. But you see, when we, when we sin, when we touch the hot thing, and we become seared, Jesus, Jesus will convict us. The Holy Spirit will say, uh, 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 uh. But if we do it again, sorry, God. And then we do it again. The Holy Spirit says, "Ah, ah, ah, ah." we keep doing it. At a certain point, God just lets us sin. He'll he'll just let you do it. And you stop feeling the conviction. Anyone ever been there before? You stop feeling the conviction. All of a sudden, you have no problem playing with the thing that's burning you. You just live in it. If you can sin without feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I plead with you, turn around, run like crazy, run back to God. Because he's letting you. It's not that one day you can fiddle fiddle around with sin and then one day he shows up in front of you. He's still back there calling you. If, If you can sin and not feel conviction, run. Run back to God. Because we need that conviction. And so, so often we, we don't like feeling it because you know, it hurts initially, but it's ultimately the most pleasurable thing because it brings holiness and wholeness to our lives. If you're in that situation, when you're in that situation, I encourage you to say a prayer similar to what uh, David said in Psalm 51. David had a man murdered. David was an adulterer, and he wrote this. Against you only, actually, can we, can we put that verse up in Psalm? Do you have a Psalm 51? No, nope, we don't. Okay, so I'm just going to read this here. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take the the conviction of the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me conviction. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. See, encountering God requires our pursuit of him. And we need to throw down our cloak, throw down whatever it takes to run after him with everything we have. He wants our participation. He wants our partnership with him. God's not 
just going to do what God's going to do. He is almighty God. He is sovereign, but he wants our partnership. Here's number four. God wants a conversation. Once Bartimaeus finally got to Jesus and, and, and the guys that told him to shut up brought him. Jesus, I love this interaction. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Well, duh. He's a blind man. What do you want? Duh, Jesus. Jesus wants a conversation. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Rabbi, I, I, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Jesus wants Bartimaeus to ask. He made him ask. First of all, he knew, because it was pretty obvious. And second of all, he knew what Bartimaeus needed, because he was God. But he still asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you think would have happened if Bartimaeus had been sitting there and thought, well, God's going to do what God's going to do? What do you think would have happened to Bartimaeus this day? Absolutely nothing. The, the passage starts out with the insight that they were, this, this all happened as they were leaving the city. If Bartimaeus had thought, God's going to do what God's going to do, Jesus and his disciples would have continued. They would have walked right on. But Bartimaeus had to cry out. Oh, Messiah, have mercy on me. Oh, Messiah, have mercy on me. He had to cry out. And then once he came, he had to ask. Cries cause God to take notice. God's not just going to do what he's going to do. He waits for us to cry out to him. Oh, God, oh, God, he is all-powerful. But he waits for cries. Over and over, this happened in the Old Testament. He waits for the cries of his people. And then he wants us to ask. We've got to ask. We've got to call upon the name of the Lord. Would you stand with me? Lord, we look to you today as our solution, as our source. We trust you. So Lord, we cry out to you. We call upon your name. Lord, we need you. We need you moving in our life. So Lord, the, uh, the concerns that we have that are surrounding our mind, the, the health issues that, that may be sparked up in our in our, uh, in our bodies right now or in the body of a friend. Lord, we bring them to you. We call upon your name. Yeah. Lord, we know that you right now are saying, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, we, we bring our, our petitions to you, God, yes. as we call upon your name right now. In Jesus' name.